Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hello, podcast. Google Docs. Beepity, divity, like, comment, and subscribity. And Tori. Hello, Internet. And we watch Dave fight with his Google Doc every week to start out the episode. So, Craig, go ahead. No, that's a new thing this week. And boy, was it something. Anyway, I'm here to talk about good things. Uh, I got a, I got a video game for you guys this week. I know, it's pretty surprising. Um, pause. Sorry, I had to praise my daughter for making a, a Lego thing. And, you know, you have to do that. You can't ignore her. Was it any Why, good? What was of wrong course. with that being on the episode? I'm not deleting any of this. <laughs> well, you didn't get me to see you didn't. You missed what I said because I muted myself. You're gonna have to reenact it then. Well, maybe she'll make something else, and and uh, I'll I'll praise that. She's been drawing. This has turned into my new good thing. She's been drawing with like these these weird like lipstick crayons. I don't know what they are. They They're came... called wiki sticks. Yeah, sure, whatever. But whatever it is, she draws with it. And she makes a picture. She uses all five different colors that we have, and then she's super proud of it. And then we all praise her for it and then hang it up. That's what you do. And that's And then good. you upload them to our Discord server on the new Ada art and stuff. If channel. you really want. I mean, they're just squiggles. But, you know, that's from what I've been reading, that's actually pretty good. Because you would, you would think it's not as easy for someone who's still learning motor skills and everything. So, hey, um, can, consider this your digital refrigerator. Yeah. Um, well, she ran off, so I can't take a picture of her Lego in, horse thing that she made. In terms of art being posted, not food containment. Discord isn't good at that yet. <laughs> but something. Hey, can I, I assume, talk about my other good thing? I assume they're working on the technology, but yeah, go ahead. Go ahead and talk about your other good thing. All right. So way back, uh, like, I don't know, 20-ish years ago when I was a little spudling. Oh, gosh, 25 years ago. Um, one of these space-based games that I would play uh, was, I think it was called Escape Velocity. I just recently looked this up. Um, I don't know if that's what it was, but the idea is that it's a top-down uh, perspective where you're your spaceship in space, um, but you go to different planets and space stations. You you can buy resources and you know trade between planets. Um, you can get into space dogfights with other pirates or whatever you're fighting and and fight things that way but the fun part is like you upgrade your ship and do all this other thing that was a lot of fun i think i got it from one of those like 1000 game shareware packs or something like that played the heck out of it could never find it again because i didn't know what it was called and it bugged the heck out of me recently i was on a wiki page for space and training games um just i'm like here's a list of all these space and training based games i'm like let's see what's here there's escape velocity. I'm like, cool. Let's see what else they have. Um, and I found this game, which is my current good thing, called 3030 Death War. Specifically, it's the one on Steam, which is called 3030 Death War Redux. Redo. However you say that word. Um, I think it's Redux. 
Anyway, isn't, isn't space based that game with the cinematics and the quick time events by Don Bluth? Oh, that's Space no. Ace. Yeah, no, no, that was for the Super Nintendo. <laughs> anyway, um, a lot of fun. It's the same top down perspective uh, where you can go between different systems. You can be a trader and pick up um, items to go sell between things. You can be a miner, mine some asteroids. You can fight pirates. You could be a pirate. All this fun stuff. Really cool. It has this geeky, like, 90s-type adventure game feel for when you're actually on the space stations. Um, so it has a nice little quirky aesthetic to it. Really good music. I think it uses a lot of Creative Commons-type music, but it does a really good job at filling the soundtrack with, like, these some, like, retro-futuristic beats that sound like they're pulled straight from the 80s and 90s, but they're also futuristic-sounding. Really cool. Love it. Um, this is, this is what I've been looking for. You have to understand, guys, I've been on Steam and other video game platforms, and I'm like, I want a space game. Something that reminds me of Escape Velocity. I, I want something like that. Where is it? And every time I do a search, I get nothing. I don't know why this game is not popping up. So I'm telling the world right now to go check out 3030 Death War Redux. Uh, yeah. I also, side note, I also really enjoyed Privateer and Privateer 2, uh, which are part of the Wing Commander universe. Uh, but that specifically is you are one pilot in this space world and, and doing things. I really enjoyed pr the original Privateer game. And I did play a lot about pri uh, a lot of Privateer 2, which, by the way, had a young Clive Owens. Wait, yeah, that that is his, right? Clive Owen? Yeah, it was him. Yep. A young Clive Owen. Because uh, they had they had the FMP scenes. Anyway, that's a lot of fun. I recently bought that on GOG, so I'll see if it's still a good thing. But right now, my good thing is thirty thirty Death War. Go check it out. It's fun. Yeah, it's like cheap too. It's fifteen bucks or something. I don't know. All right, Dave. It is your turn to do whatever the thing I said we were doing instead of good thing was this. Uh, my good thing this week is so uh. On my favorite uh, live music streaming platform that doesn't pay us to say their name on our podcast that I like, that I personally use, I discovered uh, two new albums from video game music uh, remixing artists. Just hit my radar this week, actually. Uh, they're both albums from this year. The first is A Stroll Through Kanto by TPR. TPR does really relaxing piano melancholy versions of songs now uh pokemon red does not have a lot of songs that really fit that format too well he still sticks to the heavy piano and and the low tempo and all that uh just like there's too many hype songs in pokemon so <laughs> like everything's either there to amp you up or just be like a happy little toe tapper ditty but uh, this one's it's still very good. They're very pretty, very pretty renditions of these songs. Uh, my favorite work of his is Final Fantasy VI Melancholy Music. And I also really like the Ocarina of Time and Chrono Trigger albums that he did. But yeah, I think he was right not to call this album Melancholy Music from Pokemon. <laughs> it's just called A Stroll Through Kanto. It's uh, pretty good. And the other one that I came across this week is an album called... Arcadia Retrocade by the One Ups. Now the One Ups are my favorite video game music cover band. 
They are multi-genre. They do a lot of different styles, kind of range from light metal to hip hop and but but most of the time they're kind of jazz fusion. So I really enjoy them. This album I it's new enough that it's not actually on their website yet, so I couldn't really find information on it, but it I think it might be a live album. <laughs> And I say this for a couple of reasons. At the very end of the album, the guy says, thank you, we're the one-ups. But you don't hear any crowds or singing along. And there are definitely points in the album where you're like, okay, if this were live, you would hear the crowd during this part. So it was either a small crowd or they mixed it extremely well so as not to pick up the crowd. But I don't know why you would do that in a live album. Um, but all of these songs... Most of the songs on this album are actually songs that the one-ups have done before, and some of them are 10 years old or more, and you can kind of hear how their style has evolved over the years if you listen to their first take on a song, like Green Hill Zone and Sonic the Hedgehog was on one of their early albums, and you can hear a lot of difference in the instrumentation and, uh, and solos if you listen to the Arcadia Retrocade version, so... So a lot of the same songs, but newer updated takes on them, which is very good. And plus there is a cover of Vampire Killer from the first song from Castlevania. And I couldn't find another version of that song by the one up. So it might have been original to the album. But uh, for not being my favorite Castlevania song, sorry, Tori, I really did enjoy this one. So again, that's A Stroll Through Kanto by TPR and Arcadia Retrocade by The One-Ups, two excellent video game remix albums if you are into that sort of thing. Or if you like any kind of instrumental music, I highly recommend them. Those do both sound pretty excellent. I'm pretty sure yes, I've listened do. to The One-Ups a few times, and they're great. If you watch my stream, then you might have heard them before. I mean, separately from that. Okay, like, yeah. On on my own volition, I'm pretty sure I've listened to some stuff from the one-ups, and again, pretty great. Uh, so my good thing this week is a movie that just came out uh, two days ago on the Roku streaming service, which is freely accessible if it's available in your country. And that is the Weird Al biopic, just called Weird, starring Daniel Radcliffe. And uh, you might be thinking to yourself, Weird Al... Doesn't really have, you know, that much in the way of of an interesting story to him. Like, he's a pretty boring guy, right? But turns out, if you take a completely accurate retelling of his life story, it makes for a pretty excellent movie. Yes, I also watched this movie this weekend, and it was hilarious. I loved it. And it, it was actually, it was even touching at certain points, too. I really liked it. But, but yeah, 100% accurate to the details of his life especially all the celebrities that he met. I think it was pretty great how they had a lot of cameos playing different 80s celebrities. Like uh, there was Conan O'Brien playing Andy, Andy Warhol. Warhol. Yeah, and I didn't recognize him at first because he had sunglasses on. <laughs> that one, I, oh man. Okay, so I got like almost to the end of that scene before I was like, was that Conan O'Brien? Because I haven't seen him on TV in a long time, and he has gotten older. And, you know, when you get older, your your looks start to change. So he wasn't instantly recognizable for me. Salvador Dali in that same scene, played by Emo Phillips. Emo Phillips, you may recognize, if nowhere else, uh, as the uh, shop teacher from that one scene on UHF. Call me Mr. Butterfingers. That guy. 
Was it UHF like a video that Weird Al made back in the nineties or something? No, that yes. was that was a movie. That was an entire movie. I meant a videotape and not music video. And he filmed it in Tulsa, and I know people in it. Um, yeah. But yeah, emo Phillips. There's is more there. that I, I would say a lot more about the movie, but it just came out, and we haven't all had a chance to watch it yet. Oh yeah, I don't, I don't want to give away any spoilers, like the ending, which was the best possible ending for that movie, and the only way it could have ended, again, because it is 100% accurate. Um, but yeah, excellent movie. Um, Jack Black plays uh, Wolfman Jack. Wolf guy, Wolfman Jack. Yeah. Yeah, just real good movie. Very entertaining. Probably going to watch it again this weekend. Did they uh, actually make a reference to UHF? I don't it, believe they mentioned says him making UHF. I think they skipped over that part because you could just go watch UHF. Okay, true. I have seen that. Like, they just need a title card in the middle, like, pause here and go watch the other movie and then come back. Oh, man, that would have been great. We should suggest that and maybe they can edit it in. Anyway... Uh, Weird, the Weird Al story on Roku, which is free if it's available in your country. Otherwise, there's a very helpful tweet from Weird Al uh, that suggests other ways to uh, to acquire access if it's not available in your country. So now it's Toy's turn. Well, I have been playing Animal Crossing New Horizons. I said I wasn't going to start it. I knew I would get hopelessly addicted and I would lose hours and days and months of my life to it and then for reasons beyond my control um i was exposed to it and now i am hopelessly addicted um it it is my good thing but it doesn't have to be yours people do not start this game it's a trap oh hey i should mention uh hey tori remember when i suggested that you check out slime rancher because i thought it would be right up your alley uh-huh uh, I got it on sale for myself earlier in the week, and it's real good. Is it also a trap? Uh, a little bit. Um, luckily, my Steam Deck's battery doesn't last very long with this game. I don't know why it's so battery intensive, but it is. But yeah, good game. Slime Rancher. Good fun game. And you have Animal Crossing New Horizon, the one for Switch that came out right as lockdowns yes. happened. Yeah, well, I didn't have a Switch back then, y'all might recall. Uh, And... Yes, I knew I was going to get addicted to it. I knew it because I played the first Animal Crossing game way back in the day on the GameCube, and it ate my life. And when I finally pulled away from it, I was like, nope, nope, I've had enough of that. And then, yeah, it. I'm playing it right now, you guys. It's, um, <sighs> don't be me, people. You can't stop. Oh, so good. All right. Uh, Dave, you want to talk about some chapters that may or may not end in a wink fade out? Yeah, uh, but first, you did mention batteries, right? For your Steam Deck? I did. Guys, there were batteries in this week's chapter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they kind of, like, <laughs> rig up. Yeah, that's fun. We're, yeah, we're like, I don't inventing know. The, concept, the concept of energy storage this week. Yeah, I don't, I guess it's not technically a battery, but... You know, they're getting there. I mean, it's functionally the same thing as a battery, right? It just stores stores potential energy. Yeah. Uh, batteries do it by some kind of voodoo magic involving zinc and acid. <laughs> um, and they do it by storing using a... They do it by storing potential energy, gravitational potential energy, the simplest kind, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is good stuff. 
But yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's not a battery in like exact form, but it is a battery in function. And that's what's important. Don't be a form purist, people. I'm a function purist through and through. Don't you worry. All right. Um, Craig, what chapters are we reading? Pigman. Oh, okay. 17 through 19. Yes. And we're finishing part one today. Okay. Chapter 17, titled Apropos Al. I don't know who Al is, but uh, he seems to fit in well with this chapter, so I'm not going to knock it. Make marbles at map meeting. Her Majesty Queen Yasna Colon of Alethkar steps into the room. Mink wants to know why Dalinar has guards at the port instead of across the river. Don't cough into your hand, wit. It's 2021. Sheesh. That's not even accurate. Yes, it is. The book was written in 2021. This part of the book was released in 2020 or 2021, wasn't it? Wait, this book was written before... Okay, this book was written in like 1999. It just took Brandon was forever published. to fine tune it and publish it, right? It did get published in 2020, late 20 November of 2020. But the writing definitely happened pre-pandemic, but the editing would have happened post-pandemic. Anyway, Hoyt is a bad example. Kids, don't cough into your hand. Cough into your elbow pit, please. I heard it's- a song. Okay, here's my life now. I on the toddler's radio station that we listened to, there was a song about cough like an elephant or something or sneeze like an I don't know. <laughs> the point is, you use your arm like a trunk and then you cough into your, you know, your arm and you act like an elephant. I'm like, that's I, I great. <laughs> that is genius. I can't wait to employ this tactic in real life. <laughs> I'm also I'll a fan. Be on a... <laughs> Go ahead, Dave. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be on a call from work, and I'm, you know, I'm usually smart enough to mute myself if I have to cough or, or sneeze. So you'll just see, my, someone will just see on my webcam my hand go up in the air, and they're like, yes, yes, David, what would, were you going to add something to that last comment? I was like, nah, I just had to sneeze like an elephant. I like uh, coughing and sneezing down the front of my shirt, like the inside, which I demonstrated by rubbing my shirt on my microphone. You're welcome, listeners. Yeah, I heard it. <laughs> Not the grossest sound effect we've had on this show. You would know. No, I'm I'm pretty sure I muted that one. So yeah. Not the first time. Okay. What were we talking about? Ten soon? Yeah. Okay. Don't cough into your hand with it's twenty twenty one sheesh. Okay. Dalinar doesn't trust Teravangian? I can't imagine why. A mink wants to attack a mule. What rumors about Yasna and Wit? Yasna wants to free the slaves, and she wants Dalinar to disagree with her. I forget if OJ is strong. Dad Dash was killed a year ago. Wow, a lot sure happened in this last year. Harold, Shin, blah, 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 I'm ready for bed. That's the end of uh, chapter 17. Meanwhile, so... Dave just skips the most important <laughs> part of the Cosmere, because he's like, I'm going to ignore this. But the Heralds? Well, you missed it. I'm sorry. I don't know. Paying attention. Yeah. No, this this chapter establishes our our whole timeline because Ash falls from the sky here. This establishes exactly when Mistborn once hap- happens. That's <laughs> Ash uh... fell from the sky. Also, you guys Wait a can minute. see it. Isn't Hoyt already an Alamancer at this point? Mm, guys. Hoyt, Hoyt is a lot of stuff at this point. Hoyt is uh, that's a, true. Hoyt this is looking this back at when Ash fell from the sky. She's not. Falling from the sky at this point. Right. But you guys can't read it, but 
Dave put a mink wants to attack a mule, not a mule, but a mule as in the animal. I thought that was no, I a think mink it, is also an animal. I think it came through in the in in how Dave pronounced things. Yeah, he doesn't pronounce things like me. That's true. Me 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 me. All right, so me 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 me. What happens at this map meeting that Mink marvels? They they have the map. It's it's like it's like Google Earth basically. They're playing uh they're playing GeoGuessr right now. And Mink is like, what side of Thalina are these troops? Uh, why are you guarding this shore? You don't trust Taravangian. And you really should be concentrating forces over at the river where the fuses are amassing. But so, there's a reason you guys are over here on the south shore. So so Mink picked up on this right away. Well, Down he's a our... tactical genius. So he's a tactical genius. Dalinar, Dalinar, of course, is a, is a very good tactical genius slash general from his heyday. You're telling me they're the only ones who would have noticed that there's nobody that Taravangian employs that also would notice this? Okay. Taravangian notices. Here's, here's a common writer problem. You want to write a character who is good at a thing that you yourself are not good at. So how, how do you do that? Yeah, find an expert and interview them. That's that's the hard way. I feel like the easy way is make another character who happens to be an expert to agree with your expert. Yeah, you just you just have other people in the room be like, "Wow, this guy's real smart. He's good at this," and it's great because the mink doesn't have to be consistently good at tactics because he's not on the screen most of the time. Yeah. Um, so I'm pretty sure the mink is just Brandon writing Matt Cawthon again, trying to get it a little better this time, but also making it his own character. So when it's wrong, it's still okay. Is this a 16 thing? Uh, it's a Wheel of Time thing. So is Matt Carthus a Brandon original character, or was that um, uh, that's, Toby Miggleson's original character that he continued that's, writing? That's a Robert Jordan original. He's one of the main characters from the first book that continues gotcha. being a main character throughout the series yeah should i read wheel of time you guys i would love it if you read wheel of time i think most people should read wheel of time but you gotta ask yourself what kind of commitment are you ready for i can barely read our required chapters to record a podcast and if i do have more oh. time to read for leisure it's probably gonna be finishing the uh derek needs last story in that book I'm also looking at Architraz right now, and I, I have not even yet read Starset yet. So, and plus the Rhythmethist too. I mean, that's that's got to come yep. out at some point. So I mean, got to read all of no. Cradle. Yeah, you got to read Cradle. Got to read Cradle. That's not by Brandon Sanderson. No, it's by Will White, and there's eleven books, and nine of them are free sometimes, and they're great. They're also a lot faster to read. If that makes it any better, you have my interest. <laughs> oh man dude the Seriously. wheel time is so hard to get into now it's it's unfortunate because i i do want to see like what brandon did with it but it's so hard guys like so i tried to do a reread of fantasy literature yeah well it's the older style fantasy i stopped originally in like book eight maybe i don't know it was i was just not feeling it it was all like 
if it made me feel depressed and I was not enjoying it, so I just stopped reading it in the middle. Oh, um, and it and then gets I heard worse there was... before it gets better, but it does get yeah, better. I heard there was a whole book which like it takes place in the span of like five minutes because it's all the characters that exist and their reactions to. Oh, to some so it's Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, so Dragon I'm Ball like, Z for a European listener. Do I even need to read that book? Can I just like skip that book? You one hundred percent can skip that book. Yes. That is a weird thing to take a whole entire book and say you can skip this. Is that a weird thing? I don't think it was written to be skipped, but also Robert Jordan does a lot of like recapping at the beginning of the next book in every book, so you're usually pretty Ooh. good. It's like I could look at a list of episodes of Avatar The Last Airbender and a new person watching the show that had a limited time budget and really just wanted to watch the important ones. I could probably pull out two or three episodes of each season and say you don't need to no, watch No, 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 no. Ember Island players, and then the finale of season three. You're done. So you literally just, you don't even have to watch the whole series. You can just watch Ember Island players. I mean, it is that good of a recap, but... no, you're you gonna should, miss, you're gonna miss some jokes. Watching at least, at least the problem is you need all of it. Anyway, the point is, I tried I, to. I could pull out wrestling. a couple episodes, like the Painted Lady episode. I could say you don't have to watch that. Uh, obviously, the episode everybody hates, the one with the chasm. You know, they just weren't Stormlight fans back then. I guess the Great Divide. That's what it was called. That's like the the most hated episode of the series. Isn't that the one? Anyway. Wait, isn't that the one with the secret tunnel? No, it is not. Okay. You're saying it wrong, though. It's it's the one with the two groups, and they have this story about why they hate each other, and they have to go through the chasm. Like that one, right? Yeah, it's not spoiler time, though, so we won't spoil the ending. But suffice it to say that in the Ember Island players, they just fly over the Great Divide. (laughs) Anyway, the point is... Remember that? I tried to read book one of Wheel of Time, and I couldn't do it, because it's so old. And it's not very fun. To be fair, book one is very much Robert Jordan trying to write like Tolkien. He gets better later. Anyway, before... I'll get chewed out, but I do feel this way about Tolkien at times. Okay, before we get back on track, I have one more thing, which is that Craig has been playing in in a Legend of Zelda Link to the Past tournament. He's doing real good. You guys should watch him in his next races. Also... When I watch his races, we usually chat for a few minutes at the end where I like ask him about what he did and why he made some choices. Uh, one of the most recent races, I was like, hey, good job. You you won. Uh, where are you at on Cradle? Yeah. Because that's what we're talking about now is Cradle. Anyway, yeah. back to back to what book are we on? Cradle? Yeah, back to Cradle. Craig, Let's talk Cradle. Craigdle. Craigdle. Welcome to the Cradle Deep Dive Podcast. Craigdle. Oh. Yeah, I'm I your would... host, Craig. I would do that podcast, but I don't think it's got legs. You know what does have legs? Shulls and yep. <laughs> Kremlings. Don't put the other before the work they creatures. have to do. Craig read the chapters this week. No way. There's no uh, way you would remember that line from... I, mean, I was you hoping would, you had pointed it out in your in your notes. Like, how do you not? It hasn't happened this chapter yet. Anyway, so the Mick is here. Let's get back on track. There's uh, Dalinar doesn't try. So the Mick points out how Dalinar has his troops positioned in such a way that he he shows a lack of trust to the coalition, and you know specifically Taravangian. You know, oh, specifically the people who exist at Yakaved and are fighting there. Like, gee, why would you treat them? I thought it was in Thalina, but whatever. I don't know. 
it's, it's not it's, like this game. It's not like the game helps me out by having a, a an intricate map that tells me where Yakovet is in relation to Emule and well, Yakovet uh, is and... next to Alethkar, and he's defending his ports to access to eventually do a push <laughs> towards. <laughs> Alethkar, right. and which is actually kind of the main thrust of this chapter is that the mink convinces Dalinar that he needs to put Alethkar and recapturing his homeland out of his mind, and he needs to make the tactically best decision, which is to go into Emule. Okay, I real quick, didn't we have a whole thing at the end of the last book where they were like, wait, it's really stupid to try to push into Alethkar because... There's been border disputes for centuries between Alethkar and Yakovet and Herdaz. Like, you you just can't effectively fight there, so we should go to Fallen City. No, incorrect. That's not how it worked. So the reason, what happened was, they're like, it looks like they're going to push towards Alethkar. That's what appeared to be happening. And they're like, okay, let's prepare for that. And then someone came in, they're like, wait, that is stupid that they the singer armies and Odium's forces would push for that towards that because the Lethi are really good at fighting there. They know the territory. They, they know what they're doing. It would be stupid. They're going to attack Thalina instead, which is what they did. But while they were doing that, Alethkar was now open and available to be attacked. And that is what happened. That's what we got and what the past year has been happening, them cementing their control over the, the different cities in Alethkar. So they gave up Alethkar to get the, the ocean, the southern seas, essentially. Like, it's it's sort of like you have to pick one or the other. And they they did do a big attack towards Thalina. Like, it was a large attack. It was just mostly on boats. So you don't really get... It has a different scale to it because it wasn't, like, giant forces fighting. They were all on boats. But there was also fighting, so... Eh. Only I, I, one I, side has giants, Craig. They're called Thunderclass. Wait, we don't know. We might have Voltron or Ithru show up at some point in this book. Hey, you got a recradle, man. <laughs> Is there a are, Voltron or Are you that there's a Voltron <laughs> in there? There's, there's <laughs> giant things that fight. It. It there, is an anime in book form. There isn't not a giant Erythru <laughs> Voltron. <laughs> but I'm, I'm with Craig here. That was a year ago, Mike. All kinds of different tactical exchanges could have happened between then and now. I'll give it a pass. Anywho, is OJ strong? I don't remember. No, I think the, it's... the orange okay. one is the non-alcoholic version. By by context, I figured Dalinar would probably be drinking the weak wine or non-alcoholic wine, but, you know, whatever. I didn't he follows the, the codes, chart. and the codes say you, you don't drink heavy. You don't drink during wartime, I think, is the yeah. code. So uh, it's it's when you get to the darker, like the bluish colors, they're the strong alcohol content. Who's Dad Dash? Is that my brother, the father of my nephew Dash? No, that would be uh, Ash's dad, Yezreza. Yezreza. Dad Ash. Dad Dad Dash. Dad. Ash's dad. Yes. When when did he become Ash's dad? Shortly before she was born, but also slightly after the recreants. Uh, all of the above. But wait, when did when did what you you okay? Oh, mm, did wh- I don't know why Mike mentioned the recreants. I think he meant the the last desolation. No, I was I was just lying about the recreants. It has nothing to do with anything. 
So did Dadash die off screen? No. Did no, Moash see? killed him. Moash. Hang on. Wait, you guys can't see time. this. But yeah. Dave is furiously bringing up his Oathbringer <laughs> notes. Not furious, I'm curious. <laughs> it would be near the end of the book. I have no idea which chat. I could actually. I I will look it up for you. It's not like, my notes. Didn't happen. It's right. literally at the end. <laughs> is it like the last thing that happened? And Dave's like, eh. I'm sure Hoyt will recap all this at the beginning of the next book. Speaking of, what rumors between Hoyt and Yasna? Do are people shipping them? I would ship them. Yes, that that is the rumors that are happening. Navani specifically would... is shipping them. Yes, she's not shipping them. She's just commenting on how the people as a whole are shipping them. Dave, I I don't think that they're together, but I think that would be a cute couple. Dave Moash killed Yezrin in chapter one twenty one of Oathbringer. I I can only count to a hundred, Craig. Well, after that, then just ignore that, ignore on, the left hand number in chapter twenty one. Of the back half of Oathbringer. Have you tried taking off your shoes and then counting over 100? <laughs> That's true, because with 10 fingers, I can count to 1023, right? So if I have my toes, I can count to like a million. If people would actually count in binary more, you could get a lot of digits out of just your fingers. Even better, if you, you count, a million. if you count in the different segments of your finger because like for example if you look at your forefinger you have three segments i have five fingers on each yeah hand. now look at each of the fingers they ha- have they're... more than the average number because of, of fingers. your knuckles you know that what i have more than the average number of fingers i guess yeah uh dave also has more than the average number of arms and legs <laughs> that is a true statement anyway you can get a lot of digits if we if we all count in binary i was debating on teaching my daughter to, to count with her fingers using binary, but I'm like, that's too hard to teach. I don't know if it's too hard to teach, but I don't know how useful it would be as she's learning math in school, though. Um, but you can also use your arms, right? You could you could have your hand face one way or the other. That's one digit. You could have your arms up or down. That's another digit. You it's could like do you the almost... entire Daft Hands music video, and that's a digit. <laughs> that's a bop. That's just one just one digit. That That whole sequence is one digit. I mean, it's a it's a large digit. Like you're gonna save that one for later. <laughs> Why yeah, that's like two to this? the twentieth. Can we go back because, to the chapter? Because have I mentioned I, today that I love you guys? Oh man! No, I wish you would though. She just well, did. I, do. I love you lots. Uh, also, oh, just the we dog love you too. too. <laughs> yeah, which, or was that a protest? Which pup was that? I want to know. That was both of them. I don't know what Matt's doing to uh, torment them, but they ran off in his direction. Does he have food? Will he share his food? Because I don't know yeah, if you will... know this, but they like food. He will not share. We will not share. We had uh, we had our friend Ryan over for lunch today, and both of the dogs were just like at his feet and whining the whole time because they knew that Matt and I wouldn't share. But Ryan, this guy, he was an unknown quantity. Did he share? No, of course not. Did he share and not tell you about it? To bribe the dogs to love him more? He would never. I mean, the the only thing to do at this point is to go visit him at his house and then secretly give his dogs table scraps. He's got the little yappy dogs. Bo is only kind of little and, yes, very yappy. I'm with Ron Swanson. Any dog under 50 pounds is a cat. Yes, thank you. 
that's what I always say too. If you can't ride it into battle, just get a cat. And that's why I have three cats. Oh I yeah, mean, like oh I, Mike, we're I, we're calling like, you into battle today, Mike. Oh, sorry, I can't battle today. All I got is cats. I mean, full disclosure, I also have cats. There is a place in my life for cats, but it's not the dog-shaped place. You see what I'm saying? So right. let's talk about the blah, 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 I'm ready for bed section of this chapter. I don't remember it very well. Craig, break it down for us. Uh, so at this point of the scene, Wit brings in, as as was referenced, Ash and Talon, who are two heralds, it is admitted as such. And they were talking about um, specifically one, Dalinar's bondsmithing powers, which unfortunately they don't know much about because Ishar is the authority of that. Ishar and also Yezrian apparently would have discussions about realmatic theory between them. Um, And they were also talking about who would know the way to use the different abilities and powers. And that would be the Shin, who don't like anybody knowing anything about what they do because they tried to fly over. And they get attacked when they try to fly over Shinovar. Um, and they're not responding to questions or anything. So they're going to have to do something with the Shin eventually. Is what? Oh, I had a, a thought about the map. Uh, since the High Storm doesn't really go into Shinovar, is it just blacked out or like Fog of War in that section of the map? Here there be Ooh, dragon. Good question. They haven't mentioned anything like that. It... The Stormfather can probably still see. He still passes over it. It's just very weak at that point. It, it, Yeah, I think it still goes into the Shinovar area. It's just a regular storm by that point. Okay, then do we, like, lose graphics? Do we go from, like, high-def 3D polygons to, to pixelated? Uh, I think it's more just, like, less DPI. Like, you know how if you're stream lags, it just looks not, like, pixelated, but just kind of, like, yeah, pixelated. But not like 8-bit, but more like blorchy. Oh, I also liked the uh, the exchange where the minks are like, oh, can this show like individual people? And, and Dalinar was like, oh, not really. It's from the High Storm perspe- perspective, so people are usually inside. I have to imagine that there's just a couple of people actually on the map somewhere uh, that aren't there after. <laughs> yeah, just like cowering in terror and... And you get like, like <laughs> or you just have the, the the greatest frozen looks of terror on everyone's yeah, face. I'm picturing <laughs> like you know when the Google truck drives by your house and then you show up on your own Google Maps for your house. Like it's like that, only horrifying. If you if you get caught in storm maps, well, that's it for you. But you it's... can't see them unless you zoom way way in. So like most of the time, they don't see anybody. All kidding aside. The storm is strongest on the eastern side of the continent, which I'm sure by the time you reach like the middle of it, like Aretha and all that, it's just if people are outside, it's just a heavy storm to them. It's not like the end of the world. I mean, it it also is like the end of the world, but for reasons that have nothing to do with the high storm. Like these books are mid apocalypse. True. All right. So next chapter. I think that's all we have time for this week. It did oh, no. take us an hour to get this far. <laughs> All right, chapter eighteen, surgeon. Oh, hold on. I agree. Oh. Hold on. Okay. Don't we have annotations to read? We no, sure do. Let me let me pull that up. One. No, this is this is actually a good a good little bit that I get to do. Mike's good bit this week is annotations for chapter seventeen. If Mike it's chapter, chapter seventeen, 17 annotation. It, it's the. Well, can I do the nineteen ones? Okay, 
Chapter 17, Annotation. As I was working on the annotation for last week's chapter, I realized it was touching on something I wanted to talk about in a more substantive way, so I decided to put that annotation off and make a separate, longer, more in-depth post about it. This will have some small spoilers for the book, specifically, and we stop because spoilers. Oh, wait, you can... Oh, okay, well, Dave can read it later, I guess. Yeah, it's good. It's a good bit. That was a really long annotation. It, it, it is long, but... Mike has a good point. It is somewhat spoilery. I guess I can't read the annotation. No, you will I mean, eventually. You just you just we will skip let over you know. it. It's fine. We'll let you know when you read Chapter 17's annotations when it's relevant. Let me know when it's time for Chapter 8. It's time for Chapter 18. Chapter 18. Surgeon. And all of my dramatic pauses will be wiped out by the auto truncate. I agree. The idea of a horse wearing a uniform and dancing at a ball is silly, Kaladin. Next scene. That's not a ventilation tube. That's an artery. No wonder Kaladin is afraid to hold on to his boots. This part where Sulfrenid tell- Sul tries to tell a joke and nervously waits for Hesina's approval. Is this going to turn into that TNG episode? It didn't. <laughs> Wait, well, which <laughs> TNG episode? Uh, families. Okay. They end up beating each other up in the vineyards and wallowing around in the mud. Well, maybe if Kaladin was turned into a Borg first. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of saw this as like a Kaladin breaks down in front of his family sort of deal, but it didn't quite go that way. All right. Uh, Is this going to TNG? Molten. Adjective. Liquefied by heat. Liren hates his magic room with a view. He especially hates this top-of-the-line surgery room. Sylphrena bullies Kaladin with the cute stare. Kaladin tells his father about the mandatory fighty break. And it worked! The cute (laughs) stare worked! Oh, man. I just, like... This is why, by the way, the sprint have to be anime. Because even though it doesn't happen in this scene, Kaladin recollects Sylphrena doing a similar tactic and having her eyes get wider and wider. So, like... I can imagine anime Sulfrena giving Kaladin the cute stare, and her eyes just get, like, super big in anime with giant pupils and, like, at least three different, like, light shiny marks inside of her eyes. Uh, Alright, Kaladin tells his father about the mandatory fighty break. This gets kind of awkward, but then it's, like, also sort of fitting and maybe a little touching. We'll see. I don't know how to feel about this just yet. All right, I'm taking a break. Go ahead, Craig. <laughs> is this where he finally mentions the put the chull before the work it has to do? Probably. Wait, no, Navani says that. Did she? Oh, man. Anyway. Um, Why would... So, hold um, on. They have carts and horses. Both of those things already exist. You don't need to yeah. make a new phrase. Oh, they don't use horses for cart pulling. Yeah, they mostly use chulls to pull, pull things. Like, it is... It's actually... I do... in like that he put that reference in there uh because chulls are mostly used for pulling carts and doing the heavy labor it's very relevant i believe you mean brandon sanderson what did i say he yeah well the author so yes well i mean people have to know who what we're talking about did did we even mention his name once in this podcast ever guys all these books that we've been reading they're this by the this awesome author he's great guy too really nice loves his fans a really hard worker, too, uh, when it comes to writing all of his books. His name is Brandon Sanderson. Uh, you can follow him at, at Brandon Sanderson or go to YouTube slash com dot Brandon. 
I don't know any of his social media, but uh, <laughs> he's on Reddit as Missborn Llama. <laughs> you explained that to me once, but I don't remember. Well, he used to be you slash Missborn. Did he change that recently? No, he's been Missborn Llama for as long as I've been aware of him and Reddit. But he he is active on there when he's not busy writing a book, which is all the time. So he's always active. <laughs> he works with Ronaldo, except when he works with himself, which is all the time. Wait. I screwed something up. All right. So Kaladin is showing his parents around the tower with Syl. Syl's actually chilling on Hasina's shoulder, and it's it's pretty nice. And it's a nice little family moment where he's showing them uh, the level that their city will be living on. Now, um, they, 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 there's some oddities, and this has been referenced before in Oathbringer when they were looking around the tower, where you see, like, tubes in the middle of the hallway or something like that. It's like, why is this here? It's just a ventilation tube. That's why Dave mentioned, no, it's like an artery instead. So yeah, um, there, there are also mentions about how Erythru seems to have some sort of anatomy. I don't know, you know, that this is specifically an artery or like an esophagus or whatever, but you know, it's got, it's some sort of quote unquote biological uh, cavity for or conveyance or, or duct. Duct is a good word, I think. Did you guys ever see Monster House? I have. Yes, a long time ago. I mostly don't remember it. I remember. Oh, so it's a girl house. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So, uh, and and of course, Syl and and Co. They're they're sort of talking about uh, trying to cheer Calden up and how Liren actually removed his sense of humor and got a good price for it in the market too. Is that? But uh. Still tried to cheer Calvin up one time by putting a rat in his boots, and you know <laughs> that's just what, what, genius, what she does. Dude, I freaking she's so great. <laughs> she knows, she knows, dude. Yep. Okay, for for a real good running gag here, the rat would have had to have stolen the boot, but I'll take it. It's close enough. Uh, yeah. So anyway, they're going over things and showing showing the the new uh, rooms that they'll be staying at and having a communal eating area and things like that. And then Keldon takes them to the other side of the hallway or whatever they're on and shows them this new surgery area with like nice, shiny new instruments that could be used. And like uh, they can easily get access. It has its own private area to draw water from. Very important to to keep it clean and things like that. Looks really nice. Liren's a bit upset about this because he thinks uh, he won't have a job anymore. I mean, you have edge dancers who can just heal whatever but the problem is there's only like 50 edge dancers and there's a lot of people here you still need doctors and surgeons like they're gonna be needed for the day-to-day sort of issues that might crop up oh so it's also mentioned here that kaladin spent like a full month's salary um kidding this like furnishing their rooms and also kidding out the uh the surgery room like and he he's extremely high ranked. He makes a lot of money, so they have nice stuff. Yes. He also pulled some strings and got them uh, a nice area of whatever floor they're on. They get the sixth floor. They have a balcony view, so only the finest. Uh, that's still available, I should say. Um, I'm just but imagining then... all of Kaladin, baby. He loves his parents. He loves his family. It's so he, cute. He does like it's his family. So cute. It's so cute. Just oh, my he baby. Butts, my heart. He, he butts oh, heads with his Gagadin. <laughs> now he knows who it is. Uh, he butts heads with his father a lot, but 
he still wants the best for them. He wanted them there from the very beginning. Like, as soon as they found Arethru, he was ready to go fly them off. But they're like, no, Liren is like, I'm not leaving the townspeople. So that's why they're like, fine, I'm just going to bring this giant airship and pick the whole entire town up. Because that's what it's going to take to get you here. And he did that. That is how much Kaladin likes his parents. Keep that in mind, guys. And how anyway. incredibly frustrating they are. <laughs> No, I like Hasina. I think Hasina's fine. Right. Liren, it's, though... It's Liren. It's it's entirely yeah. Liren. So, uh, Syl is like, hey, you're gonna tell them the thing, because there's a thing you have to tell them. That's what the cute stare is. Like, better do it. And uh, Kaladin's like, fine. And he tells them he's gonna be a surgeon. Craig, you left out the most important part. Brandon uses the term molten sunlight. In this chapter, <laughs> I didn't know and, if you wanted me to actually talk about this. So, well, here's the thing: like, all right, I just got done singing Brandon's praises, and I love him. I, I love his work. He's a great writer. He, uh, he's definitely a hard worker, and he's dedicated to his fans. Very admirable person, Brandon Sanderson. But once in a while, he just throws in this is this is up there with gilded and silver. And molten literally means liquid, right? How can sunlight be liquid? Like that's what makes it, it such a nice description. But like light is a particle. It can't it's not matter. It can't be a liquid. Are we to believe that light is somehow magic in this universe? Like I No. Except on a planet we <laughs> haven't read about yet. And then it totally pretty much is. It's Taldane, so... isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, but, hold on. But also you how can say that it's figurative, but I don't know. I think that I think that the science of the figure of speech makes it a little there distracting, is... but I am kind of maybe, nitpicky in maybe, this regard. Maybe it was a Discworld reference. There is legit English literature reasons that there. this is something. Like, this is tickling my brain. I don't know what it is because I'm a computer scientist. I, I am not an English person at all. I, like, I got sunshine in a bag? <laughs> I guess, but there, there's a type of writing where you use these kind of descriptive words, and it's, I don't know what it's called, but it's a thing well, to, to use, like, molten sunlight. Oh, is it a metaphor? <laughs> I thought it was... Well, I, uh, I think what you're getting at is personification, which this doesn't fall into, because being no. molten isn't a human quality. <laughs> or maybe <laughs> he's talking about purple prose, or poetic writing, or... I don't know. There's a few ways to describe it. It's what's purple professionals. No, the anyway, other kind of pro. How do you I, think? How do you I think just, they? It was. Sorry, I thought it was poetic. It. It's poetic. Yeah, yeah, poetic. How do you think they guild things in silver without using molten sunlight as a heat source? Come on, Dave. All right, it's not as bad as gilded in silver, but I don't know. I guess I didn't appreciate the the poetic necessity to the of it. Um. Anyway, I'm kind of I'm nitpicking on it, and I I know I am, but it's just like it was a little distracting to me personally. But I'm probably the only person that feels sunlight that. silver. <laughs> if somebody else feels the same way I do, I'll probably never know because there's no way to reach out to me and communicate with me in real life. So I, I'm sorry. Yeah. If if you want to agree with Dave, there's just no access. If on the other hand, you would like to disagree with any of us and tell us about it. Go to patreon.com slash CosmereCast and click the thing where you find the link to the Discord and join that and come yell at us. 
I still say it's a Discworld reference. Hey guys, so there is a Molten Sunlight soundtrack, or maybe it's a song. It's a song by someone called Fenge. There's also the Caverns of Molten Sunlight, which is some location in, in the Pathfinder universe. But this doesn't mean anything. I just, I did a quick Google search and I was curious if anyone else complained Carbrath? about it. Is Carbrath, Car- what's that, um, what's that Pathfinder city? Karn? Or no, something? I don't remember. That's Carbrath. No, the one Karn, that we, is it, we did? Is it 3.5 or is it Pathfinder? Karn is Karn. the silver golem from Magic the Gathering. Dave, are you talking about the the one we played? Yes. We like played Pathfinder. That main city. I forget what it's called, though. I think it's Karn. I think Carbrath is literally just Karn from Pathfinder. It's like where all the scholars meet, right? Yeah. All right. Somebody take uh, chapter No, Karn is the former host of Family Feud. All right. Um, can we go to chapter 19? Oh, well, we have annotations. Chapter 18's annotation. Can we go to chapter 18's annotations? I've got those open. Do I get to talk now? Yes. Okay. Chapter 18. All right. So I talked earlier about the odd structure of this book. You can see it manifesting in this chapter and the next one, which are the last chapters of the part. In a regular Stormlight book, at this point in the novel, we'd be pushing toward a more action-oriented or mystery-oriented climax, such as Shallan's confrontation with the Midnight Mother in Oathbringer. The reversed structure of this book's first part, which began with the climax of the in-between book we didn't see, instead comes to a more calm, character-oriented climax here, with Kaladin making his decision to become a surgeon. Along with, in the next chapter, which is a calm, introspective Navani chapter, to end out the part. Like an we epilogue, re- if you will. We released the Sill interlude early through my newsletter. Oh, sorry, spoilers. Oh, Tori! That comes after the Navani chapter. And tried to edit oh, out any man. spoilers. I can't wait till next <laughs> week. I'm getting my reading done early. <laughs> you just ensured that Dave would read tonight. Yay. But forgot one line that indicates Kaladin has become a surgeon again, so I suspect many of you have been anticipating the decision Kaladin makes here. Still, it's an important moment for Kaladin, one I've been pushing him toward for a while now. Though he's always been the surgeon's son, he hasn't had a chance to truly be a healer and see how it fits him as an adult. And I just want to say... It didn't sound to me like he decided to become a surgeon. It sounded like he was like, well, mom and dad, I'm going to take a break from soldiering. And his dad was like, you're going to be a surgeon again. Yay. And he was like, yeah, that's definitely how I interpreted it. He was like, but he was like, you know, yeah, okay. It it wasn't his idea, but he's going along with it. It got Uh, decided for him, but it really was of the things that he looked at. It was the one that made the most sense for him, and he realized that his father would be totally on board for it. I and think hey, he can like, transport wounded people from to to, especially with the balcony view, right? They're they're on the they're on the rim, right? The surgery room, so he could just fly people out the window and bring them up into the. He's a flying OR. EMT. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, right. he's, yeah. he's a calambulance. He can also <laughs> pass surgical tools by lashing them. Oh man! Just, oh wow! Uh, yeah, he going back. Stitch. Hey, that's interesting. I got an important thing to say. Um, the not making a decision and just going along with it is such a depression thing to do, and and I feel like that's it's just so on point for Kaladin's character. Yes, seconded. All right. Like no. when you're when you're depressed, you like it's hard to make decisions, and 
if like if people just put something in front of you, it's like, yep, that we'll go with that because then I don't have to decide. And it's um, it is not a good sign for Kaladin there. And and just pay attention to that as the book goes on. Ta-da. Yeah. Hence my note. I don't know how to feel about this. <laughs> yeah. Not although although not personally experiencing it, I I do kind of notice that that is how this went down. And Liren has, as far as these books are concerned, never once in his entire life noticed what's going on with Kaladin. Correct. Oh my gosh. You know, props to Brandon writing a character like this. Like this is this is such a father thing to do. Well, this kind of father, I should say, not like all fathers, but. What about the storm father, Craig? Oh Craig, my... you gotta watch weird. Can he like <laughs> volunteer any bit of information without asking a direct question? Come on. Uh, what are with fathers in these books? Craig's Will Arnett impression is pretty good. <laughs> so <laughs> chapter nineteen. Yeah. Uh I thought we would just skip this so that we could all get to reading the next section as soon as possible. <laughs> uh Tori, look what you did. Well, Sorry, the sad. faster you get through this, Dave, the sooner you get to the next chapter. No way, oh. man. We got to do crossword puzzles tonight. Hold on. You you want to hear something real fun, Dave? Always. Craig and Tori and I got to read the Sophrana interlude before the preview chapters happened. We knew. We knew. We didn't know what it meant. I. You know what? I vaguely remember you talking about this, except I thought that it's... I thought Dawn Shard was going to be this. So I read Dawn Shard thinking that Sylphrena would, you know, be in it. No, 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 no. Okay, so like the actual release schedule of all of this was Sylphrena interlude, preview chapters, Dawn Shard, real book. All right, let's do it. Chapter 19. Uh, garnets, amethysts, and pearls, but just garnets, really. Were there garnets in this chapter? Huh. In the very beginning, I thought. Okay. Can we reverse the polarity of the chromium doohickey? Nivani warns a conjurer that people might not be who they seem to be. <laughs> Going with, you know, if the theory that um, Rushu. Rushu is... <laughs> I, I'm glad that the auto-truncate will eliminate how long it took me to think of her name. Uh, given the fact that we think Rushu is a conjurer, the fact that Nivani is like, you know, some people might not actually be like she's talking about the fused impersonating people, but she's like, people can put up a front. They can use magic to make an illusion of who they are. Do you, do you believe this, Rushu? And Rushu's just like, uh, yeah, that's kind of unsettling. <laughs> Teehee. I thought that was Rushu's reaction in light of the fact that we think she's a Chandra was pretty amazing. I enjoy that you can't remember her name ever, and she's just the conjure to you. I <laughs> I would like to imagine that like her internal monologue at this point is like, don't turn my skin translucent, don't turn my trans skin translucent. Come on, Rushu, don't turn skin translucent right now. No, I I imagine she had like that moment of panic, like, oh gosh, she's on to me. No, no, wait, she's just talking. <laughs> All right. My mic didn't pick up most of that. You're welcome. Uh, it's working brightness. That's great news. What's working? Oh, the tank controls are working. How does fourth bridge work when it's on the other side of the world? We might have talked about this before. And this this reminds me of how they're using, how they can't use a span read on a moving ship. Is that somehow related to the fact that fourth bridge works despite the fact that the planet is curved? 
Greg, I want well, you you in on this. I I don't know what they say in the book, but it's all relative to the direction that they're moving the the chulls or whatever's moving the object. Oh, it's so it's polar coordinates, not translational coordinates. Easy. Okay, that that answers that. All right, manpower problem. No more. Next scene. Shaft. Someone still has to pull the weight back up. You can a change the laws of physics. Nevon <laughs> Mutt. <laughs> uh and final scene Taravangian or no penultimate scene I think Taravangian is no longer playing dumb but was he ever Devani thinks so I'm not sure Taravangian supports invading a mule what's he up to wait Taravangian agrees wait a minute I don't trust yeah, wait, this like what did we do wrong <laughs> uh Fen also likes the plan but needs more windrunners envoy to the honor spren Adolin can't wait to see his side sword side girl. And final scene. Nivandi wonders what Taravangian is up to. Dalinar wonders what Taravangian is up to. Nivandi wonders if Dalinar wonders what Taravangian is up to. I wonder what Taravangian is up Gosh dang it. It's not that hard to say. I wonder what Taravangian is up to. What does Craig think Taravangian is up to? And finally... As Mike alluded to, Wink fade out of part one. I mean, I don't think I know what Taravangian is up to. Taravangian probably knows, too. He has it written down somewhere. Probably on the second drawer of the side table in the cupboard uh, with the knife. Dave, you really should have asked Tori what she thinks Taravangian is up to. Yeah, Tori, what do you think? (laughs) The real question is, what is Taravangian up to? Ooh, do we get a diagram update already in mid-season? No, that's why it's the real question. Oh, okay. <laughs> Good answer. All right, uh, so uh, I'll let Mike do this one. I mean, you don't have to, but I'm suggesting that Mike do this one. Um, I'm not sure what this first bullet point is about. Can we reverse the polarity of the chromium doohickey? Unless I guess you know that the, chromium, the chromium doohickey, it sucks the stormlight out of the radiance. And Nivani's like, can we rearrange this so that it sucks void light out of the fuse? Oh, that's yeah. wh- okay. You thought that was chromium. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, and then I mean, yeah. it's oh, Mike doesn't speak chromium. Dave. That's right. I need to translate your uh, notes. This for could Mike be fun then. Mike can... <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah, the in the epigraphs for these chapters, we get information on like. The fused have been using two different types of metal for weird weapons that work well against radiance. Uh, one of them can block shard blades. The other can drain stormlight. Um, and Navani has like guesses about stuff, right? Yeah. Okay. So do I, but go on. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's basically it. Uh, and then Navani talks to Rushu about Lightweaver fused, and Rushu's all like, "I'm not a Chandra." What? Who mentioned Chandra? I didn't mention Chandra. You must have mentioned Chandra. What's a Chandra? Uh, then, Very smooth. So smooth. Then, yeah. And, her bald head. And Ardent shows up, and he's like, hey, it's working. And Navani's like, who are you? What's working? Never mind. And then Navani goes and gets shown what's working, and she gets dragged around a room for a little bit, and she's like, yay, this was fun. Make elevators. This is the batteries. Uh, yeah, and then and then she's like, well, what if we what if we steal all of Dalinar's weights that he obviously uses every day in his room to be buff and have a tight butt? 
and then we tie them to the bottom of an elevator, and then we lift it up, and then we let it fall. Yay. And windmills. Yeah. Did we mention windmills? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, win- windmills get explicitly mentioned of, like, tying some split gems to the windmills mechanism, setting it on at the top of the tower, letting high wind wind uh, blow hard enough to turn the windmill, but not hard enough to destroy it, hopefully, uh, and use that to lift the extra weighted lifts uh, to make batteries from gravity. Gravi- gravities. Grava batteries. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit already. Oh, you just reminded me of way back in college when I was taking linguistics class and we were learning about uh, language acquisition in children and how children mimic what they hear. Um, The instructor said that she met a little kid once who thought it was gravity because the ground grabs you. Like, that's how the child heard it. So so it's been gravity in my head (laughs) ever since. I got to teach a streamer the word Mondegreen uh, today, which was fun. What is that word? Uh, that's when you, that's like a popular mishearing, usually of song lyrics. So uh... like, there's a bathroom on the right, as opposed to there's a bad moon on the rise. Yeah, that's a Mondegreen. Carrie ca- carries a laser. Baking carrot biscuits. Excuse me, oh, while I, I kiss this guy. Yeah, that's, yeah, that one's legit. But yeah, that's a Mondegreen, which is the the same so basic mon? concept that Tori just explained. Oh, a mo- I wonder, Mond is German for mouth. I wonder if it's in the etymology somewhere. No, it comes from a Scottish poem slash song. Uh, laid him on the green that's becomes that, That's Mondegreen. actually called Moner, Moner Jean, <laughs> funnily enough. Oh, it's kind of like how malapropisms are named after a character, uh, Mrs. Malaprop, who would say them all the time. I thought that was because they were badly appropriate. I think right. that sounds familiar. Anyway. Back to the reading? chapter. Um, yeah. So Teravangian gets real sinister with Navani. Like, real sinister. He's like, like mustache-twirling Saturday morning cartoon villain evil sinister. And then when... Oh, yeah, he's like... I would I would tie that fair last to a train rail if I thought that was necessary to save humanity. Yep. He's like, well, I all I did was have an assassin murder powerful people to set a civil war in motion. The civil war isn't really my fault if you think about it, but I totally would have personally done every horrible thing that happened in that civil war if I thought it would achieve the goals that I'm trying for. But his goal is to save humanity. I mean, I guess that makes it better. And you, I, I don't know. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa? I just, I just thought of something, but I'll have to think about it more. Okay. Uh, so then we get the meeting of the monarchs, which is a cool name for a band. Um, oh, hang on a second. Dalinar gets a vote, and Her Majesty Queen Yasna Colin of Alethkar gets a vote. Dalinar is the king of Urthiru. He has no standing in Alethkar anymore. Well, I mean, Alethkar isn't standing anymore. <laughs> oh, take that, Alethi. So what's Her Majesty Queen Yasna Colon of Alethkar Queen of? The Shattered um, Plains, I think. Still Alethkar. And yeah, they, they control the Shattered Plains. Um, but the these monarchs, like this alliance of monarchs doesn't recognize that the Fused have a lawful legal right to Alethkar. So Yasna is queen in exile. 
She still uh, she still has the legal right to the throne. She just doesn't physically control her land. There is tons of historical precedent for that sort of thing on Earth. Uh, like Israel? They were in exile in Babylon for like five or six years. Probably longer than that. I, I'd have to go look at my history. But uh, did, did they consider to have a king in the time of exile? That's a good Do question. not know. But yeah. It, anyway, whatever. Uh, so like, hey, we're going to invade Imul. And Teravangian's like, great. I'll give you a bunch of soldiers. I'm not going to betray you at all. Ha 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 yeah. ha. Yeah, suspicious. Mighty suspicious. Uh, but then everybody else also likes the plan because they're not suspicious of Teravangian somehow. I don't know why Navani and Dalinar are presented as like, the only reasonable people here. <laughs> well, they're further away from Yakuved and Alcar, so they're like, eh, they're just always in Civil War and stuff. It's just them being them. Anywho, um, Sigzil, who is the ranking windrunner at this point and is president at the meeting, and surprises Fen because she thought that Dreamy, Gaganin, High Marshal, whatever the rest of the stuff Dave said, uh, should be there. Anyway, he's like, yeah, hey. I love, I love how she turns around and is just like, hey, Stormblessed, wait a minute, you're not here. Yeah, she just assumes that he's brooding in a corner, and that's the reason that she hasn't heard him or seen him yet. It is a 100% correct assumption, except in this exact situation. Uh, anywho, yeah, uh, Sigzel's all like, hey, I've been talking to my spren, and she thinks we should go apologize to the honor spren. Uh, but don't send Windrunners, because they will not like us. And so they're like, yeah, let's send some people to go apologize and ask for help, and not send Windrunners. Plan, go. And Lyft is all like, I want to go. And they're all like, no. I want Lyft to go. <laughs> Which... Yeah, actually, her interacting with Honor Sprint is probably not a good idea. Well, it's probably a great idea for the audience. <laughs> okay, so Edge Dancers have a non-supernatural ability to, like, speak the local language in, in terms of, like, slang. Whereas Bondsmiths have a magical ability to speak the local language as auto-translate. So, when you think about it, Edge Dancers would be the best... Um, ambassadors, right? Well, we're not talking edge dancers. We're specifically talking about Lyft. Yes, we are. And Lyft doesn't get to go because Godeki gets to go. Who she's apparently she's gonna have to do something cooler. That's fine. Godeki apparently is like has some experience as an ambassador. We're not given details on exactly what that is or how that works, but he's there. Uh, and then the meeting ends. Oh. Adolin and Shallan also go, and they announce some other people, whatever. Uh, the meeting ends. Navani and Dalinar are alone in a room. Navani's like, dang it, Dalinar, quit sending the servants away. They think you're mad at them. Except she doesn't say that. She's just like, I'm going to have to go talk to the servants and assure them that he's not mad at them. And then she's like, he keeps doing stuff that Gavilar used to do, but Gavilar used to do it because he was a butt, and Dalinar does it because he is inconsiderate. And that's better. Because he's oblivious. I mean, oblivious and inconsiderate, pretty similar, right? Yeah. At least well, one oblivious. I would say oblivious is better because if he knew that it was inconsiderate, he would feel bad about it. But he has Ooh, no I idea. I got it. I got it. Dalinar is ignorant in the traditional definition of the word, 
And Gavilar was ignorant in the modern definition of the word. There you go. Which seems like if it bothers Navani, she should just, like, talk to him and maybe get him to try to do better. Because I bet he'd try to do better, whereas Gavilar would refuse to try to do better. Yeah, let's just add talk to Dalinar about this thing to her list of things that she's already doing. Come on, Mike. I mean, it falls under the category of work that you do now to save work later. Right now, she's avoiding work now to do more work later. But she should think like a programmer. Exactly. Uh, anyway, everybody wonders what Teravangian's up to. There's like 12 people in this room now, according to Dave's notes, wondering what Teravangian's up to. Uh, and then they wink and fade out. So there's a 12 people thinking about Teravangian orgy. Yay. <laughs> You're not supposed to say with the... What? That's not... The... But it's much funnier to me if it's explicitly an orgy... And they're all thinking about Teravangian at the time. <laughs> wow. All right. Good night, everybody. Well, Dave wanted to do the chapter 19 uh, thing. He does want to read the annotations. I hope you pulled them up, Dave. Uh, where's the link? No homers allowed. That's a secret channel. You can't tell people about that. Good thing no, I no, didn't no, tell it's, them about it. It's no homers with an S. Oh, they're allowed to have one. Yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, well, what is it? The people pay the bear tax. I pay the ho I pay the homer tax. I'm just okay. scroll all the way down. It's the last one. Okay. <sighs> Brandon Sanderson, chapter 19. So this brings us to the end of part one. And you can fully see the reversed shape of the story here. Explosive beginning, contemplative ending. I went back and forth on whether I should end with Kaladin or Navani, as his decision to become a surgeon was the larger of the narrative arcs. But Navani's section better matched the thematic end of the part. I fully expect some readers to be a little indignant about the fact that Taravangian is walking around free while Seth is imprisoned. I agree. It's unfair. But I also believe it to be, unfortunately, accurate. Taravangian is, despite his unassuming mannerisms, one of the most powerful people in the world. While it would have been great to toss Stalin into jail for his crimes, it wasn't really an option, and during the war, the Allies needed him. That isn't to say Taravangian is untouchable, only that I felt what you read her to be one of the more likely outcomes to his outing. His argument that he didn't do anything worse than Dalinar did is a pretty solid one. If there hadn't also been suspicion he was working with the enemy, it's likely there would have been no relevant consequences to his assassination orders. You'll be getting his perspective on all this soon, as he has an interlude after each part of this book, like Seth got in the first book or Esh and I got in the second. Sources, Reddit. Up oh, arrow. How, how come Tarot you're Brandon... Palenium, parenthesis, 1.1.0, parenthesis. How come your Brandon Sanderson sounds like a Bond villain? No, Taravangian well, is... He was monologuing. <laughs> I, I actually i was reading chapter 19 okay so they're in this meeting with taravangian and and all that and and deciding on what their tactics would be and then you go to the bedroom scene with navani and dalinar and i'm just like what's gonna happen like is some fuse gonna like burst in on their love making like what's going on like there's gonna be some kind of like this this grand cliffhangery chasm hangery event that's going to happen at the end of part one right and i'm just like oh okay I, I wasn't uh as as brandon put it indignant oh that was completely different they were indignant about something else 
we got we got the climax anyway, and epilogue I, I, of a book that wasn't written for the past year of things that have happened. Right. And then we had the kind of lull that will lead into book and book will start Rhythm of War. Rhythm of Part Two, starring Sulfrena. And Dave's like, okay, I'm reading it right now. Don't talk to me. Maybe I'll read it on stream. No, you got to hey, do crosswords first. Did, can you give a guess on what who's going to be in the interlude chapters uh, on this interlude? Sulfrena, Taravangian, and uh, and Craig. Craig makes wait, an no. appearance in this book. Don't tell me. Don't tell him. Risen. Risen had a whole book. Yeah, she also. Has an interlude. Well, uh, she gets one interlude per book, not one interlude per part. So I'm not sure. Dave, nine letters starts with S. The best spren. Spren spren? Yep, you got it. <laughs> that's not um, even nine. Oh, wait, wait. That's not nine letters. Spren pren. <laughs> no. It was actually, it, it actually was spren spren. It was a rebus. <laughs> not Thursday. It is Sunday, though, so I'll I'll allow it. All right. Let's let's kick Dave off. Wait, Unless, wait, wait, wait. What? Wait. I have something. Wait, wait. Have, I'm ah, waiting. I'm waiting. Oh, oh God. I have oh God, I'm waiting. And I want Dave uh, to be included for. So I am not talking about this now because we are nearly two hours in. However, if we ever have a week that we maybe get through the chapters within an hour, there is something I would like to discuss with Dave. I would like to talk a little bit about... Uh, do some theory crafting with Dave, if you will, to talk a bit about the way physically the three realms exist on a mathematical and physical perspective, as in physics. From, I should say from a mathematical and physics perspective. Do I have to read Flatland again for this? Maybe. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Maybe. Craig. But I, I will be able to sum it up, so don't you worry. Craig, but, we're not having an we episode that short until we get to White Sand, but we're just not. This we is have something to look forward to. I would prefer, uh, I would prefer it to be within this book because I think it's the most relevant within the Stormlight Archives book. And Dave knows enough now that we can include him in the discussion. Dave's gone. Play the thing. Okay, bye, Dave. Bye, Dave. Dave is gone. Play the thing. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. Are we actually doing spoiler time, or should I just cut it when Dave leaves? So, to me, like, when I think back on Rhythm of War, which, you know, it's only been like two years... When I think back on Rhythm of War, I remember it as being like Stormlight Archives Die Hard because yeah. it's all Kaladin in the tower fighting the like the secret war against the few and crawling we through, through the, the yeah. We just got through the whole of part one and there is like no sign of that even on the horizon. Like we have no idea what this book is going to be about yet. Well, we're, we're part, setting up the characters. Part two is Kaladin Stormblessed Action Therapist. Yeah, Mike's favorite part. Right, I'm very on board with that. Part three, I think, is when... Parts three and four. I, maybe even not part three. Maybe we, like, cut away from the top. Yeah, I think we do. Or I mean, the I way remember... Around. We do cut away, yeah. Yeah, I remember Yasna wailing away on some guys in her full shard plate, which is really awesome. Okay, my rough memory of this is part three is is the diehard section. Where we get where you like bounce back and forth between like Kaladin and Dabit and Navani. 
part four is most of, like, all of the road trip through the Cognitive Realm again and visiting the Honor Spren. Maybe part of that is in part three. I remember that ends in part four. Like, we never get back to those guys in part five. It's funny because I thought Erythru was taken over a lot sooner, but I, we w- we definitely didn't get it in the previews that were given to us early because otherwise we would have talked about, oh, they're taking over the tower. So it, it definitely happens within part two, right? I think maybe like at the very end of part two. Like what needs to happen is uh, Dalinar and most of the officers need to leave that they go to capture Emil. So that has to happen. So they're not at the tower. And that's when it can be taken over. So, oh, okay. It's no, it's it's because of the the format of this book being like the part one of of here was like part five of the missing book, right? So part two of this book has to be has to fill in for part one of this book. We have to like yes. establish ongoing you know plot threads. So that's I'm, what happens. I'm still not a. I think overall, I'm not a fan of the format. It's I don't know. It's not as satisfying. Like when, when just doing this read, it just sort of like, oh, we were told this was happened. It's just the, it falls into the it's more enjoyable when you get to see it when you get to see the action and get to be a part of it. It's a fun ride. This didn't feel like that. It felt like we were told a lot of this stuff happened. And I get it. It's because he doesn't want this book to turn into a 15 book series. Sure. I understand. But that doesn't mean I can. I enjoy it. Counterpoint. Something new. Counterpoint, we could have actually gotten firsthand Kaladin being happy in a new relationship, then getting dumped, then being super depressed. What we get of him is like the tail end of that when he's starting to come out of it. That is an improvement. And and I, I still maintain hope that eventually Kaladin will be happy, maybe I, with Leshwi. I, I I don't know that I could handle Kaladin being happy. It'd be like, wait a minute, this is, wait, this is wrong. Something's off here. Yeah, but like new new relationship bliss is like that cuts right through depression. It never lasts, but you know there there is nothing quite like it. Your brain is flooded with happy chemicals. I say with all of us being happily married for quite a while each. So yeah, quite a while. Yep. Anyway, uh, I do have a couple bullet points just so we can pad this out. Give me five we, minutes. We do not need to pad anything out, Craig. All right, chapter seventeen. Uh, nestled behind Odium's forces was the army of Teism. I can't say his name. The God Priest, a man they now knew was Ishar, the ancient herald gone mad. I just wanted to highlight that. We we already knew that. Oh, but... I have a thing that you might be getting. You know, what? I'll let you do your things, and if if you don't bring it up, I'll bring it up. So keep going. I will point out I did not get to read chapter nineteen because I happen to be reading this other book series that I just can't put down. Uh, the Wheel you know. of Time by Robert Jordan. No. Dude, I'm telling everyone they need to read Cradle. Man, it's so good. It's it's you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me when I used to watch early, like from the beginning, Naruto, when it was good. Like it was Ooh. good up through like the tournament. Like I look, I you can make noises. I really enjoyed watching it. Maybe I was a little naive. I didn't do I didn't watch that much anime. I really enjoyed it. I know it goes downhill. They take like... No, no. The noise I made was, ooh, because that sounds like a description of something that I need to get on right now, especially if there's Voltron in it. Tori, yes. Okay. Oh, okay. Tori's talking about Cradle. I thought Tori was talking about Naruto, which for my money... Yes, (laughs) early Naruto I liked. 
for my money, the retrieval arc still stands as like one of the best bits of anime ever. I don't know what that means. Oh, but it ended the, so poorly. The character name retrieval arc, whose whose name I don't want to mention because it's a spoiler. It's I don't remember. It was right, so sad. It was the last arc they did before they went into like 300 episodes so of much filler. filler. Oh, I probably stopped watching before that then. Oh man, you missed out because it's real good. Anyway, uh, back to back to this this book that we're, that we're doing right now, Rhythm sure, of Cradle, cha- Chapter Seventeen. The Dustbringers continue to flirt with rebellion, often ignoring Dalinar's orders, which is interesting because we already know Skybreakers are on. They're working with Odium, and now we're told like the Dustbringers. Like it's weird that we have a whole entire order that's sort of not necessarily on Team Radiant side. Um, it, it's it's I weird. Like, that... I feel like the Dustbringers are more of so the Skybreakers are all like Law and Order, the party of Law and Order, and <laughs> so they're like, no, we're right, dun, dun. And you're wrong. Yeah, the the Dustbringers are more like you can't tell me what to do. Well, th- that's why I'm like it, it, it's flirting with rebellion, but that's what I would expect. It would mean you would have people on the fence. Some people would be like, yeah, no, I don't agree with that, and other people would be like, yeah, I'll, I'll help out. Like it just it's just weird. That's why I highlight it. Um, I'm, pic- I'm picturing them more as like cats. Like, <laughs> yeah, I did that thing because I wanted to, and I totally planned to to begin with, and not because you wanted me to do the thing. Okay. Um. So this is Wit. He says Odium will not compromise. He will not settle for anything other than our complete submission, perhaps destruction. Now, this one I highlight in particular because this is race Odium. That yep. would be like this. We don't need to worry about that dude anymore. We don't, and we know that now. What would Teravangian want from the outcome of this war? Would he compromise? Would he be like, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll just, we'll take our land, you take yours, and we're done. Okay, I've been thinking about this. Up to the point where he takes over the Odium Shard, Teravangian's single and only focus is the survival of humanity on Roshar. That's it. Yeah. He is willing to sacrifice very nearly anything to achieve that goal. Yep. As long as a select group of humans survive, that's good enough. So I'm wondering why we think that goal has changed after he picks up a shard. You know, Brandon has said that there's a nameless shard out there that's just focused on survival. And yeah, I'm not suggesting that, oh, that's Terabangian now, but... Doesn't it seem like that would be the first one he'd go after if if that is his goal? Well, like, my interpretation of that is personal survival. He wants humanity to survive, not necessarily Ter- Teravangian. I don't think he was planning on his own survival. He knew he was going to die soon, or at least he was before he picked up the shard. And so then everything he, died he was by, doing. And then he died by picking up the shard, but continued on as a cognitive shadow. True. Um, yeah, so I don't think the survival, and it's not and we've been told it's not the survival shard. It's just a shard that happens to be focused on its own survival. It could be invention or something like that, like a shard that we already know the name of. Um, anyway, let's let's keep going. I, I think Odium Teravangian, he'd be more interested in maybe the shards that are there. I think he's much more willing to pick up another shard. Like he he's not race. He, he might want more power which is a little bit scary. He might be more interested in picking up all these shards and seeing what happens if he can hold all of them. Um, okay, someone... the, the point I was getting to was we're all assuming that we're going into the 
the tournament what what is it what is it the, the contest the contest of champions in <laughs> yeah. book five yes yeah. not a tournament this isn't cradle uh the contest of champions in book five we're assuming that teravangian is going into it with the intent to win but what if he isn't what if he's what if his intent is to sabotage the singers so that the humans will win and live and keep going so from what i remember and I, i'm probably wrong but the wording was such that if Odium wins, he's still stuck in the Rosharian system. But if Odium loses, he gets to be free of the Rosharian system. I remember reading what was said. I'm like, number one, why are they trusting Wit to write the wording when he's already admitted that he'll do anything to get what he wants done? But I remember reading him like, that seems backwards. I remember reading something like that. Do you guys remember that? I've remembered it going the other way, but it's been two years. A lot of stuff's happened. There's been at least a decade since I read this two years ago. Yeah, so I, that's why I'm like, I could be wrong, and maybe I just didn't remember correctly. I I, I want to point out, and that's why I highlighted this, because I want to point out all the areas, because there are assumptions made about how Odium would act, specific, specifically by Wit, because he assumes, I mean, he knows Race is currently holding it, and as far as we know, by the end of the book, he still believes that Race is the holder of the Odium Shard. He doesn't know that it, it's held by someone else. Right. So, so next, next bullet point, onward. So there's going to be certain assumptions that are made. I want to highlight these parts because, uh, yeah, Teravange is going to act differently as the Shard holder. Um, okay, Yasna and Dalinar. Dalinar says, but why? You're always so pragmatic. This seems the opposite. Uh, this, is, this is Yasna talking about making changes, you know, releasing slaves specifically. Uh, she says, I seek the line of action that does the most possible good for the most people. This is keeping with my moral philosophy. I highlighted this because I think this is specifically her sort of ideal that she follows as an else caller. Do you think that's one of her capital O oaths? I think so, too. Yeah, yeah. I, I think this is very close to one of her ideals. Not, not the exact wording, but yeah. Yeah. So she wants to. So this is a maximized good for the most people. So it's not quite ends justify the means. Like she's not Teravangian, but she is maximize good for a group of people in general, which surprisingly goes along with what we were just talking about with Teravangian and what he would do. All right. Um, Breeze isn't another realm of reality, Ash said. It's a planet. You could see it in the sky along with Ashen. The Tranquilline Halls, you call it. But yeah, the Oath Pack, he did that. We all simply went along with it, she shrugged. This is just talking. I, I just wanted to highlight talking about the different moons. All right, chapter 18's epigraph. If a gemstone is full of storm light, or I assume void light, and that light is removed quickly, it creates a pressure, pressure differential, or a kind of vacuum in the gemstone. And I wanted to highlight this, because this, mentally I'm thinking about it, it's, it's like you're taking, so in this case... We're talking about stormlight. So if you have some substance in a container and you remove that, it now has nothing. It is a vacuum. And therefore, air, or if it happens to be surrounded by other liquids, liquids come rushing in to fill that place because it's a vacuum. It has nothing in there. Um, it's interesting that we, we're mentioning some sorts of investiture here, stormlight and voidlight. They act the same way. So originally, I was taking... Um, investiture as just a type of energy uh, that exists in our physical world. But in this case, it seems like it has an actual physical 
presence as well. So it's more like a a state of matter. It's it's a type of matter, I should say. Um, I which I think is like a practical matter of making something like that work is you stab a radiant, you take in the void light, and then stormlight from radiant travels into gem to take stormlight. Okay. Because gemstones on Roshar can take in stormlight or void light or life light or tower light or war light as long as they don't have any current of any of those lights in them, right? I think so. Like they are, they are empty vessels for any sort of light. Like they don't have to be primed, right? Am I, I am I remembering that correctly? I know we get into this later in the book, but I don't remember the exact specifics because no, two I years think you're on to something. Yeah, I, I think you're fine. Okay, you you definitely skipped over the thing I wanted to bring up. So keep going. I'm almost done. I just have two more. Um, they left Kaladin's brother with Loral's children and their governess. She seemed to be recovering from the loss of her husband, though Kaladin thought he knew her well enough to see through the front. She truly seemed to have cared for the old blowhard. Um, I feel like this is Kaladin inserting his own thoughts and assumptions on people. Like, Loral, I think, did actually end up caring for, um, what's his face? Rochon. I don't remember his name. Rashon, thank you. Rosh one. Rosh <laughs> Yeah. So, uh... Yeah, no, if, if you're not Kaladin or Tien or... His dad, whose name is just gone. Liren? Liren, there we go. Yeah, if you're not one of those people, yeah, Rashon was probably a pretty okay guy. Or Moash. As long as you're not one of those group of people, Rashon was great. All right. Uh, that's actually my last one. So what did what did I miss? Um, Hoyd, or rather Wit, is described as wearing a sword with a silvery scabbard. Dang it! Does he have an awakened blade? I... I remember that description, but I just took it as a silver-type sword. I didn't actually I mean, think it was special. It for sure could be that. But also, Nightblood, N- Nightblood Scabbard is silvery, probably aluminum. Aluminum, So, yeah. yeah. Does Hoyd have an Awakened Blade? Do we need another one? I really don't want another blade. Well, we I mean, already have the Venas. Yeah, not, not at Nightblood level, because I'm growing more and more certain that Nightblood is a Dawn Shard. Um... But at like the at Vavena's sword level, yeah, I think I'm wondering if he does. So, so you think Nightblood could be the destroy Dawn Shard? Yes, and I'm I'm growing more and more certain of that as time goes on. I thought someone mentioned in our Discord that it couldn't be a Dawn Shard. I I think maybe the destroy Dawn Shard could have been used to make it, which would which then turn why... Nightblood into the destroy Dawn Shard because that's how we've seen Dawn Shard Dawn Shards work. Mm. Nightblood is close enough to being a person in the realmatic sense that he can also be a Dawn Shard. Well, we know Wit wants nothing to do with Nightblood on yeah, its own. He's, like he's got his own sword that doesn't think. <laughs> he specifically has said that he wants nothing to do with Nightblood and, and everyone should be far away from it. So he has the right idea about Nightblood. Yeah. And then once he tells some more truths, he'll have a, another another sword that does think. We've already seen uh what what does he call her? We've seen her on screen. I don't I don't remember his friend's name. Oh yeah. But we love her. We do. She's good. She's she's sassy. And oh we haven't gotten Dave hasn't gotten the great scene where they're packing up for going on the, the road trip through the cognitive realm and finding out that all of the uh all of the cryptics tried to be pattern. <laughs> um his his cryptic is named Design. That's her name. 
And it's funny because there's actually uh, only look this up, of course, if if you're up to date. <laughs> it's a picture of Wit saying, I have bonded a literal monster and design is just using a flute. That 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 that's from the book, right? Like that's that's the scene. I like the fan art. Anyway, yeah. So does does Hoyd have an awakened blade? A la Vivenna, not Nightblood. I hope not. Or has he taken to wearing an aluminum scabbard to act as a secondary weapon that can block a shard blade if he happens to get in that sort of fight? That I could see more likely, actually. So I would place it more on that, but. It, at the same time, it wouldn't surprise me if he had an awakened blade. Like if if Avena has one, and we don't know the story with her blade, but if she has one, then holy Mister Collect It All, there's no reason he wouldn't have one. If it's it depends on how easy it is to make one of those things. Oh which man! I now thought... I gotta cast Ash Ash Ketchum as Hoyd next time we do cast list. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> every every time every time a new power turns up, like, ooh, I want that. Yep. All right. Abilities, light weaving, mistborn, awakener, light weaver, world hopper, dawn shard, formally, and others. He has other abilities that we don't know about. All right, let's That's get out of straight here. Straight from the wiki. Let's get out of here yeah. and end the yeah, episode and go away forever. Bye, everybody. Good night, internet. Bye. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made-Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.